Magandang araw, podmates. May isa na naman tayong mainit na usapan tungkol sa bayan at isang problema na global na ang sakop. Ang disinformation o sa ibang panahon, mas kilala bilang fake news. Ang kausap ko ngayon ay isang batikang profesor at researcher sa Amerika, pero Pilipino siya, na katrabaho ko dati sa GMA Network. Ngayon, isa na siyang leading expert sa larangan ng mga makabagong media, online platforms at paano ito ginagamit para sa propaganda. Hindi na raw sapat ang salitang disinformation. Influence operations na ang bansag uh, sa research field niya. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Ong is a professor and disinformation researcher at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst and at Harvard University. Magandang araw sa'yo, Jonathan. Nice to be here. Um, nice to connect with you, Howie. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks uh, Thanks uh, for joining us, Jonathan. Yeah, John, I, I mentioned no, that you were at GMA Network uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I met you when you were my colleague there, uh, but you were on the corporate side of the network. Uh, I suppose that was one of your first jobs out of college. Yes. Uh, but now you've made a name for yourself no, in uh, the field of uh, communications uh, research and media studies. How much did your real-world experience uh, in media uh, in the Philippines influence your career decisions and, and wow. your research interests? Yeah, um, for sure. My um, GMA was my second job, Howie. And if you remember, my first project was Election 2004. Um, so it was um, doing the branding and um, uh, communications um, to promote some of the election coverage and the election specials of GMA. Um, and that was my second job. My first job was in advertising for McCann Erickson. And so I think um, what, um, yeah, and all of those experience definitely shape my own analysis, how I understand the power of media, legacy media, mainstream media, and the news in the Philippines. Um, I remember also doing a lot of work with GMA Regional. Napupunta tayo sa Iloilo, sa Cebu. Right. Meron tayo mga barangay roadshows. And mm-hmm. kitang-kita mo that, di ba, um, uh, at the local level for communities, news is so important for them. Entertainment is so important um, to them. They look up to you, journalists and celebrities. And, um, they, uh, they look up to you, but also uh, treat you as friends. And so I think that definitely um, yeah, shaped um, all my experiences. But I was also privy to some of the you know, um, for-profit motives of, uh, of media corporations. And mm-hmm. that um, critique is very much present then um, dun sa aking um, pananaliksik. Well, had you always wanted to do this kind of research and enter this uh, research field and then you're and you decided uh, to work first in advertising and then uh, a uh, so-called mm-hmm. legacy media well, you know one of the biggest yes. uh, TV stations uh, in the Philippines they seem to be uh, like almost ideal preparation for going into the kind of research that you you you're in right now no or you sila ang mm-hmm. nag-udyok sa iyo na uy magandang uh, magandang gawing uh, uh, career ito eh, pag uh, sa academe no yeah yeah um so uh, i was very nerdy even in ateneo um i took a ba in communication in ateneo um so i knew na medyo academically inclined na ako noon pa lang so um yeah 
uh, a huge fan of film and yeah um, and and um, different kinds of um, uh, productions but definitely parang um, immersing myself in GMA and how tangible television is to ordinary people parang dun ako namulat na um, ang experience natin ng media ng television kakaiba in other countries, I think about the example palagi of Kapuso Foundation and yung equivalent niya of Bantay Bata na yung media sa atin hindi lang siya entertainment, hindi lang siya news. There's a real um, concrete element of charity, of public service, of intervention, and at the local level, it has huge implications. So, um, parte yun um, nung aking uh, PhD, um, uh, when I did my PhD in sociology, to talk about how the unique features ng ating media, um, di ba parang on one hand meron tayong mga game shows mm-hmm. that are skewing toward um, uh, low-income um, people. Um, at the same time, we also offer these kinds of public service opportunities through charities and the a close connection um, with news and charity operations, I think is quite unique to the Philippines. Um, but we can see some versions of it in Latin American TV as well. Yun yung aking, uh, uh, those were my findings uh, for my PhD um, yeah, back in the day. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm eager to ask you about your current work. No? But before we leave your uh, your origin story, um, you covered uh, or you were part of um, the network, GMA Network's uh, preparations for its uh, election coverage in 2004. Right? Tama, 2004. Yes. So, uh, yung, uh, I mean, take us back to that. Time. I, I suppose you've been mm-hmm. thinking about that because you know you're you're a professional researcher now. Uh, mm-hmm. Back then, of course, wala pa tong lahat ng tong uh, research mo ngayon, no? Itong For mga sure. on, you know YouTube and all of that, no? But 2004, we were it was the early days of the digital uh, age, no? What were the factors back then in 2004 for influencing mm-hmm. people's voting decisions and? Um, yeah. would you, were you already, yeah, were you already uh-uh. bothered by, yeah. by what you were observing back then? Yeah. Um, great question, Howie. Uh, um, and thank you for yeah giving me, you know, like a, a wide space to play with, um, with that question. Um, na, ko, um, yeah, during that time, how we talk about Philippine, um, news institutions and Philippine media institutions as the most trusted institutions in Filipino society. We were so proud of how um, 24 Horas, um, obviously yung equivalent niya, um, TV Patrol um, sa ABS-CBN, parang these were our daily rituals, part of our daily rituals. Um, we watch um, these shows and um, they get um, very good ratings. We have a common sense of you know, these are the important issues of the day. And uh, we have that shared sense of, okay, ito yung um, importanteng um, pagtauna natin ng ating attention. Um, at the same time, um, our entertainment programming also were um, ways in which Filipino citizens, in a way, come together and have, you know, shared jokes, shared experiences. So um, think about uh, that sense of, you know, having... Um, uh, community rituals around television na in 2022 
kakaiba na. Diba na parang um, I look at, for example, uh, Twitter. That's how I also consume my news nowadays. My Twitter is still connected to a Philippine uh, Twitter to, uh, trending topics. And nagugulat na lang ako paminsan na sino ba itong mga nag-aaway na blogger na ito? Um, sino ba itong mga celebrity na pinag-uusapan ngayon? Parang you can have a sense na kaka- kakaiba na yung um, mga mundo na ginagalawa ng bawat uh, citizen. And I think um, obviously with um, surveys that have also um, emerged um, over the past year, yung trust ng mainstream media, trust ng ordinary tao sa mainstream media, bumaba na din. And so I think that is how, in a way, I kind of like segue into our argument na may konsepto kami ng parallel public sphere na for us, it's quite... Um, distinct and quite momentous to talk about that um, in the Philippines in 2022. Dahil hindi naman ganito ang ating media and information landscape. Um, even um, in the past, you know, five years, um, we wouldn't be using the term parallel public sphere. The idea na nagkaroon na ng split na dalawang um, information and media ecosystem na iba Uh, iba yung framing ng mga topics, iba yung mga celebrity, iba yung mga influencer, iba yung mga news pundits, um, and hindi na nag, nag-uusap um, itong dalawang um, public sphere na ito. Kaya siya parallel, di ba? These are two parallel lines that do not converge, do not align. Okay, um, just reading mm-hmm. uh, your your work in the last several years, no? I mean, sometimes you get a sense of how the internet uh, and um, by extension the uh, almost the entire e- information ecosystem has become kind of dystopian no so i mean parang it's become a, a, in a way parang a hellish place no a toxic place no but uh, i i want to uh, rewind a little bit again no but uh, after 2004 kasi um, mm-hmm. the early days or i would say the I don't know if this is early days, no, but maybe the adolescent days of the uh, of social media. Mm-mm. Uh, you know, the Corona Arab Spring and people were talking about the you know, the promise mm-hmm. of um of a social media, this this, you know, this new space, uh, the the democratizing power. Uh, at the same time, few people were you know uh we're expressing regrets about the you know the the the, the dissipation of uh, of a uh, big media corporate media power no uh kasi sabi mo nga uh, uh ng less trust and uh, yeah, of course people like people like uh, me who who work uh, you know at large networks uh, you know we're we're uh, we're a bit dismayed by this um decline of trust but people are saying well we have social media and it's democratizing uh, people Uh, I mean, it's democratizing uh, uh, societies, and it's it's a hope for democracy in uh, authoritarian uh, countries, etc. No, um, you, you were you were already researching uh, media uh, during this time, no? But when did you? And I'm sure you were mm-hmm. observing a lot of these things. When did you start? Um, uh, becoming worried <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. that uh, there will there would be you know this mm-hmm. this kind of direction uh for and maybe um this and and maybe this this age of promise no this this mm-hmm. the arrow spring it was a global spring actually for social media no uh was was not going to last long no i 
did not intend to, you know, study online trolls. Um, I agree with you, Howie, that there's a way of looking at and yeah, and experiencing social media nowadays. It's so toxic. Um, wala nang nag-uusap. Um, and parang the idea na you discover like new, you know, um, new research or new ideas, new concepts or even films, diba? Um, via like reading reviews on social media, parang that discovery aspect of social media, which was there, um, you know, um, early 2000s, um, uh, early 2010s, parang ngayon, it's just toxic conversations, um, whether it be about US politics, um, which of course I, I also follow as an academic based here, but also Philippines politics um, and the idea na we unfriend each other now diba parang kakaiba din yon um, thinking of how yeah i even so maybe one way to answer your question is um, by sharing insights of you know early studies that i did um, uh, about social media one was around typhoon haiyan um, and a lot of the discourse then was you know Digital uh, media for humanitarianism. Okay, so excuse me, I'm trying to remember how long ago that was. Was that that's uh, Yolanda, no? When, uh, in the yeah. Philippines, twenty. Typhoon, Yolanda, 20, 20, 2013? 2013? 2014? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think less than ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, yung discussions then uh, then was how can we use um social media for fundraising for um, uh, helping communities um, uh, who are uh, recovering from disaster. So the idea of social media for social good, ito yung mga usap-usapan sa social media dati. So we embraced a lot of social media for their promise of solidarity, for humanitarianism, for charity. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I go back to also some of my earlier interests in, you know, Bantay Bata and, um, yeah, uh, and Kapusa Foundation and how I found all of those unique. Um, another aspect of Filipino social media um, was the story of migrant families and how Filipinos are quick to embrace social media um, because of the nature of Filipino families as always being transnational. Uh, lahat tayo may relative sa ibang bansa or perhaps have a migration history ourselves. Um, and so, um, kung dati, we keep in touch with family through through te- uh, through texting um, or through, you know, through phone calls, um, social me- media is a way for us to keep in touch um, uh, with, uh, with family members who are uh, distant from us. And so, yung... Um, I remember working with a mentor. Um, his name is Professor Danny Miller. He visited the Philippines. Um, my, um, I was working as his research assistant, and yung project ni Danny was um, also Mir Kamadiano. Um, uh, so um, it's important for me to also not forget. Um, my role was to try. They interviewed. Filipinas in the UK, mga Filipina nurses in the UK. Tapos in interview nila, how do they use social media? How do you keep in touch with your kids um, back home? How do you arrange mga remittances, um, you know, through Facebook or texting, etc. And then, bumisita silang Pilipinas and I was still a grad student then. And hinanap ko yung mga anak ng mga 
nurses na na-interview nila. And so we were trying to compare, ano yung sinabi ng mommy? Anong sinabi naman ng anak? Parang, and how do they also um, embrace social media or perhaps resent social media? And so the idea that Filipinos are quick to embrace digital innovations um, because we do need um, tools for connectivity, tools for intimacy and family connection. I think that's um, a, a, a real part of our story. Yeah, uh, well, we're not saying naman na, na wala na lahat yun, no? because I, oh, I think all of us here right now in this room are still doing Facebook and you know the older social media platforms. And it's, it's still possible to discover you know new films and you know uh find out uh you know new things about our our passions our interests no pero yun na nga no um nahaluan mm-hmm. na ng maraming uh, uh, toxicity yeah. no yeah and, um, imagine yeah. yeah um i'm just thinking yeah just to follow on with that yeah just to think about those, how those same transnational families um in the context of this election cycle um i would have I would be curious, de ba, kung na experience din ba, and of course based on observations um, of ourselves as researchers, but also our other colleagues and also lay observations na ang daming mga nag-unfriend, nag-unfollow based on how people voted and based mm-hmm. on, de ba, si Tita abroad na nag-vote mm-hmm. for Trump, or pero... Uh, or nag-vote for Biden, pero nag-vote yeah. sila for Marcos, and all of those things as well. Yeah. Uh, well, you you made an impact uh, back in 2018 uh, with a groundbreaking study, you know, the, the, uh, called the Architects of Disinformation, uh, where you uh, interviewed people in the PR and advertising uh, industries who are paid to spread um, disinformation or fake news, no, in the service of people in power mostly no uh, you know the so called trolls no i was at the conference uh, where you launched this report um and uh essentially you blew the lid off this whole troll universe which was kind of shrouded in in, in a lot of mystery you know a toxic mystery uh, but you presented the real people uh, doing uh, troll operations no? so that's that was uh, uh, what a lot of people recall but you just and then you just published another uh report no that's breaking uh, that has broken ground uh uh new ground last october at uh, at a harvard conference you you uh, you you published or no you did you presented parallel public spheres no influence operations uh so you don't call it disinformation anymore and in your um your introduction uh to the report um it's not it's no longer enough no it's no longer it, it doesn't capture what's going on anymore uh, so that's why you chose to call it influence operations no yung, yung nagaganap ngayon sa internet um uh, you know in the service of uh, you know winning elections uh ngayon people in you know in the service of people in power or or people opposing those in power etc no but but why 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 influence operations why have you evolved from the word disinformation it's it's hardly mentioned uh in this new report yeah um uh so i think we were looking for a term that um has a wider remit that has a it's, it's like a bigger umbrella concept that is um able to capture a more diverse range of strategic communication practices that are not all illegal but are 
quite shady and unethical and that we need to be talking more about. Um, and at the same time, it's a way to um, uh, like how disinformation and its um, specific assumptions and and our own interpretations of Philippines. Now it's taken on quite a baggage, and the, um, so it calls to mind the idea of fact checking of false claims um, peddled uh, by online trolls. And therefore, yung, yung parang association natin um, with the term disinformation is that parang nagahunting tayo ng trolls, nagahunting tayo ng anonymous accounts on Twitter, mga fake accounts sa Facebook, nagahanap tayo ng mga low-level le- uh, low mga bloggers na nagpe-pedal sila ng outright lies. Ang sabi namin, yes, meron pa rin ang mga ng mga ganitong pamamaraan uh, na, na pag uh, uh, for politics, for elections. Um, but at the same time, we need to have a bigger frame that also talks about uh, other kinds of unfair campaign tactics, the use of uh, falsehoods mixed with truth, also mobilizing influencers in a way na um, uh, does not actually get captured by campaign finance regulation. I think kailangan din natin yung pag-usapan. And then, um, yeah, and we give a lot of examples ng mga influence operations na hindi naman um, always about falsehoods, na obvious falsehoods, but uh, iba-iba yung mga strategy nila. And that's what we lay out in this new report called Parallel Public Spheres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kasi pag sinabing disinformation, ang uh, well, isang definition yan is um, falsehood nga, mga sinungaling no? na kinakalat uh, deliberately as opposed to misinformation, yung parang factual error na binabawi, nag-apologize yung uh, nagkamali, etc. Yung disinformation, yung talagang alam ng uh, nagkakalat na na mali, uh, it is uh, malish, often malicious and mm-hmm. falsehood, no? Uh, so you have moved on to a wider sphere nga, uh, yung influence uh, operations, no? Um, well, nakinig ako sa yung, yung podcast mo, no? Uh, well, congratulations on that, no? Kasi it's, it's kind of been a sleeper hit, no? Uh, uh, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I like but, that term, sleeper hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, kasi you, you, you wondered... Um, Mm-mm. At one point, you were wondering how people involved in influence operations uh, slept at night. No, I think you you said this yes. uh, at, at Harvard. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, but listening to the people you spoke to on your podcast, they seemed quite comfortable <laughs> with what they were doing. And parang uh, yun nga, no, it's like uh, why you know they yung attitude nila. Why should we lose any sleep uh, about this? We're not lying, no. Uh, they 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 just felt that you know this they were they were helping uh, in an advocacy no a campaign uh, advocacy and you made it a point uh, to include uh, itong so called trolls or let's uh, influencers because the um uh, most of them were I think the ones you inter- you interviewed were were uh, they they hid behind uh, aliases no and you even. You even um, uh, disguise their voices, no? They were kakampink, no? Or they were serving uh, the Lenny Robredo campaign. Because may may malaking assumption na karamihan itong mga online uh, operations, itong mga trolls, uh, disinformation, was in the service of 
the Marcos campaign, no? And then there's even a academic study that seems to to point uh uh, uh towards mm-hmm. that, no? Yes. Uh so ito mga in-interview mo, Mm-mm. what was ex- what was shady exactly about what they were doing? Kasi kung hindi naman sila necessarily nagsisinungaling no they weren't spreading uh you know crazy conspiracy theories etc no uh when you're, you interviewed them they, they 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 were very rational no but so what was shady about them what was wrong Mm, um, great question. So yeah, um, and you also bring in uh, my podcast. Um, so for um, Howie Severino podcast listeners, uh, my podcast is entitled Catch Me If You Can. And there we actually interview at least one operator, one influence operator um, each week. Um, some of them um, we, hit, uh, we hide behind um, uh, uh, pseudonyms and we uh, tweak their voice a little bit. Um, so you actually yung mga nagpa-interview most recently for our season two are mga kakamping um, operators and influencers online and hindi naman sila um, actually ang for them uh, I won't classify them as quote unquote trolls in the sense na they peddle um, hateful messaging or um, or misinformation or anything um, uh, misleading, but they're actually fighting the trolls. Yun, yun naman yung um, position nila. And what they're trying to do, at least um, the last few episodes, we interviewed Super Negatrona, who's a big kakamping influencer with, I think, what, 50,000 followers? So, ang, ang strategy naman nila is fighting fire with fire. Um, and and I think that's one of the themes that we also discuss in our report. Na, um, how are um, you know quote unquote liberals also organizing and trying to fight back? Um, could it be fighting fire with fire? Some of the actual tactics are kind of trolly, Howie, in the sense na they will also organize and mobilize um, over text. Na parang hey, sabay sabay natin report ito mga account na ito. So for uh, for listeners out there, this is the idea of the mass report hour for Facebook. They and call you call this... that you had a term for that, no? Brigading. Is that yes? Tama ba yon? Yeah. Brigading. Yeah. No? Parang brigade. For, for, <laughs> oh, oh, brigade. Uh, brigading. And and for Facebook, they actually classify that as inauthentic coordinated behavior. They they're not mm-hmm. happy about that. Um, and then, um, so, so you know, one example, um, we discuss that in our report, brigading its opportunities, but also its risks. Another one naman is cancel culture. I think um, usap-usapan natin um, the past couple of months. Um, should we be withdrawing support from, you know, um, businesses, from celebrities who are actually, um, you know, supporting people behind um, historical distortions or peddling them themselves? Um, legitimizing, you know, uh, fantasy narratives around martial law. Um, and so what are the opportunities that cancel culture can provide, but what, what are also its potential backlash effects? Um, pinag-usapan din namin ito sa report. 
Um, pero yung mga yung mga um, uh, specific discussions of yung mga um, more worrying kinds of historical distortions um, and attacks on mainstream media and attacks on researchers we also include that in the report na ginag- ginagawa naman ito um, mostly ng pro-Marcos media universe di ba? na meron silang influencers pero hindi lang influencers yung mga experts na may mga PhD na din sila na nagpe-pedal ng um, kanya-kanyang justification, kanya-kanyang explanation um, to justify uh, Marcos policies. We also discuss, you know, historical distortion um, of Marcos na of course it's about um, a, a way of talking about martial law as the golden age pero may performance quality din ito. So we talk about it as a victimhood performance na aba yung Marcos family, victim sila. Victim sila ng history, pero victim din sila ng mainstream media. So, may ganong kind of performance na for us, hindi ito quote-unquote disinformation. Parang it's a bigger ritual. It's a, it's, a, it's a communicative performance na look at us, we're victims. Um, and so, one needs to think about it as a narrative more than just a falsehood, right? How would you define troll now? Because in one of your podcasts, uh, you you said that um, no, no no one you interviewed admitted to being a troll. They don't they don't consider themselves a troll. It's not part of their self identification. And then you just mentioned trolly behavior. So let's get our definitions um, uh, straight here. No. So is there an updated uh, definition on this? And if you recall, no. Um, uh, and, None of the candidates uh, admitted uh, employing trolls, and um, uh, Marcus Jr. himself uh, uh, explicitly said, "I have never hired any trolls." So, param, you know, being a troll is 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 considered a really bad thing, no? So, um, but you but uh, you seem to be convinced they yeah. they exist. So, well, ano bang yeah. ano, ba, ano bang troll in your context? Yeah, um, uh, great question um, around definitions. So um, there's the um, dictionary definition of a troll, um, which is um, an online user who is very provocative. So in a way, provocateur siya, diba? Parang through jokes, through snarky, um, sometimes like double meaning kind of humor and postings, they're meant to um, evoke a reaction, um, usually from more quote-unquote um, Uh, mainstream or um, you know um, uh, yeah from from parang uh, vogue against like mainstream assumptions so they are contrarians kumbaga so yun yung yun yung traditional definition ng troll sa Pilipinas merong mas specific connotations na siya na nagkaroon na siya ng specific associations na um, and that's what I try to push against actually um And and you're right, Howie. That in in our report, um, we actually try to use troll as an adjective, but never to call someone a troll, um, because parang and and to me that's a thoughtfulness around. I really try to push against itong assumption natin, um, na the troll is um, typically from low-income classes. Um, they are 
bobotante, they are uneducated, hindi nakatapos ng high school, therefore na brainwash sila ng Marcoses or ng Duterte and therefore um um are uh you know invading our online spaces and misbehaving in online spaces and But not necessarily me, I, paid not, hindi to hindi to mga bayaran i mean they they're not uh-uh. paid to do this parang organic ito they're just you know um may, yeah. they belong to a certain class of people uh kasi akala ko all this all this time ang pag sinabing troll you know and troll farm uh-uh. these are people who may who probably know better but they're paid to do to to say these things post these things and you know spread hate and yeah. vitriol and all of that so bayaran sila but you're saying mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to be paid to be uh, to fit this definition of a troll in the philippines you don't context. have to be um uh, especially the us definitions of trolls are actually uh, de-emphasize the paid aspect in the in sa pilipinas mas uh, may association ang word troll na sa bayaran, di ba? Um, and, 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 and to me, um, what I'm trying to push against with yung um, also the idea of troll hunting and disinformation um, literacy um, uh, campaigns, parang nagigis siyang troll hunting or bot busting. For me, it's a waste of energy, to be honest. And it's a way also of, mo- it's also a moral displacement na hinahunting natin yung mga low-level accounts. Parang we are You know, like we um, we spend a lot of energies looking for these um, accounts on Twitter. Pero for me, it's important to have um, a sense of who's actually running the show, who's controlling all of these um, accounts, um, who who has you know who um, received the big budget to organize all of these influencers to um, coordinate on a specific message, and so. Um, the advocacy um, that I have um, tried to emphasize in in Catch Me If You Can and also in this report is, sino ba talaga yung top troll? Sino ba talaga yung chief architect of disinformation? Sino ba talaga yung chief strategist um, who's running the show? And as... Um, The earlier study that I um, that I released in 2018, and you were there for the launch, Howie. Parang sinasabi namin doon na actually parang um, uh, and dami nating energy um, uh, focus on it. Sino ba sino ba itong anonymous trolls? When in reality. Um, open secret naman kung sino talaga yung mga namamalakad ng campaign within the PR industries. So I think that's the, the that's my um, intervention around it. So okay. I hope. So so yung concept ng troll farm um, uh, legitimate ba yan? I mean, is it is it a valid uh, concept? Kasi uh, yung troll farm uh, because there are or are there are, are there uh, people like armies of people, small armies of people who are employed they're paid to post certain things and attack certain people um uh may may mga ganun talaga yeah um so that's a, that's a good question so um from my own um personal experience i've been doing this research um, for over five years now i have um never been physically in a troll farm that looks like a call center Never. So, parang the idea, di ba, na parang these are like rows and ro- rows of computer or parang mga, um, and parang it's a kind of like 
um, rote and repetitive kind of copy paste work. Na parang these are you know low level employees. Actually, parang the quote unquote troll farms that I have um, uh, been privy to and seen and also heard from, like in our interviews in Catch Me If You Can, um, they're in a way temporary arrangements. So parang I will be um, doing a, 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 a black operations campaign for a politician for three months, pero I'm gonna be doing it from my own home computer. Um, for some of them, they do it out of um, um, public relations firms in boutique PR firms in Makati. So hindi siya shady. Um, at the same time, parang we had one episode in Catch Me If You Can. Episode one naman na um, uh, uh, PR firm yung kanyang uh, um, uh, employer, akala niya mag-work siya dun sa opisina nila sa Quezon City, pero dinala sila sa parang um, headquarters quarters next to the mayor's office um, because yun pala yung magiging niyang kliyente. So, iba't iba yung um, look ng, ng troll farm and most of the time, hindi siya call center style. Actually, very flexible work arrangement siya. Gig siya for three months or six months at a time. Renewable yung contract. Um, hindi siya yung parang daily... Um, um, yeah, na, uh, na parang um, yung title nila is not a troll, di ba? Parang no one is employed as a full-time troll. Parang palaging part-time lang ito, gig lang ito, added income ko lang ito. Um, and that's yeah what we um, revealed in Catch Me If You Can. If you And you can hear from them directly. Yeah, oh. Well, mm-hmm. that's oh, interesting. Eh. Uh, so, halimbawa, itong mga... Itong, uh some of the recent more recent ones no uh they were quite uh, open about what they were doing they were leading teams they were working from home mm-hmm. they were approached by middle per middleman uh etc yeah. i mean uh you but you would you call that person a troll or an, uh, just another influence uh, operator yeah um so i i prefer the term um influence operator um um just in the sense na what they're actually doing um is quite diverse and creative as well again the idea of the troll is um shit posters lang sila parang they just diba parang they're just very crass or um parang nagmumura lang sila online parang walang strategy but actually these people are very smart they are very creative they have they use a lot of jokes and inside humor um they they use montage on um, one of the episodes we talked to a meme factory operator and ang galing ng mga meme uh, memes niya na nagva-viral talaga dahil funny naman talaga uh, parang they use um music um and a music overlay over um Sara Duterte's own voice diba uh, to comment and parody her pero hindi naman siya outright Disinform, uh, disinformation. So I, I prefer to use the term influence operations. But for me, um, that those still um, raise a lot of um, important questions about ethics and regulation. So the fact that so in that particular case, this person was doing um, a set of memes um, attacking Marcos and Sara Duterte. Um, pero nagre report siya sa um, intermediary, um, never to um, any um, specific politician or political party. Um, 
a lot of money was um, invested in this group of meme operators, um, but was um, were all of the, their works, you know, officially reported as part of campaign expenses? Um, that's a, an open question that I think um, is important to uh, to discuss in terms of we want campaigns to be fair. We want campaigns to follow a set of regulations. Um, so that I think is uh, is an important set of questions in terms of fairness, deba. Right? Yeah. Um, well, the implication so, in that yeah. interview, John, was. Uh, uh, that particular operation was not even uh, officially connected and maybe the mm -hmm. campaign team of Lenny Robredo uh, didn't even know about it. Didn't even, didn't know, even that. know about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and and I, I spoke so. to Ma'am Lenny as well. Sabi ko, Ma'am, I'm sure hindi niyo naman kilala to. Tas of course, hindi naman. Um, and so and, it's very hard uh, for them to control that. And it's really hard, hard, for, hard to, reg yeah. to regulate it, in fact. Yeah, and and buti na lang uh, the meme operator we discuss at least based on um, his um, disclosures, there's nothing disinformative in terms of what they actually produced. But I don't think other outfits would have that sense of you know um, uh, would would maintain those ethical standards, um, don't you think? We also have examples how we from 2019 naman na. It was actually a foreign business person who was um, funding a group of influence operators to help elect a city mayor. So again, um, uh, this um, outfit, this group of meme operators were doing it to promote um, a local mayor, pero ang, ang nagpondo sa kanila is a foreigner. So which, is a, which is a violation of campaign law. No. And it's foreign interference. Yes, absolutely, yes. Howie. So I think parang to me, those are ethical questions that hindi natin usually na pag-uusapan kung ang pag-uusapan natin palaging um, false ba ito or true. Um, and that's those were some of the examples that we wanted to also bring in. Uy, kailangan natin to pag-usapan as an as a, um, uh, in our public sphere, but also sa industriya ng political consultancies. Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm curious though, uh, what would what should be the parameters now be uh, for um, mm -hmm. election campaign communication strategies? Yeah. No, because um, halimbawa yung yung that first definition you you mentioned for troll, no, the dictionary uh, definition doesn't sound negative at all. You're being a provocateur. Being a contrarian, Jose Rizal <laughs> then was a troll, diba? Uh, back then, and uh, he was even called a propagandist, diba? So uh, didn't really have a, such a negative connotation uh, back then, no. And 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 one thing you pointed out um, in one of your podcasts was that um, the the candidates themselves, the the presidential and vice presidential candidates, in general, their their campaign rhetoric. Was positive, no? They weren't um, attacking. They were not. They were not being real live uh, trolls, diba? Uh, as opposed to uh, uh, pre maybe previous campaigns, uh, which were more maybe more negative, and especially uh, political campaigns uh, there in the United States, diba? And uh, in other Western countries, napaka uh, negative. You know, we, 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 all of us heard Donald Trump for for years, no? Uh, how what how he talked about his opponents. Uh, Etc. No, so I, I'm just in, I, I just found it uh, interesting that uh, you mentioned that Edito, um, you know the 
the rhetoric was generally uh, positive. No, I mean uh, unity, diba? Radical love. I mean it was so warm and fuzzy, no? Yung yung mga campaign themes, no? Uh, as opposed to uh, if you contrast that with the Duterte campaign, who you know during the campaign he was already threatening to kill people and you know people should die and uh, all of that. No, there was a lot of misogyny and the languages. At the same time, uh, uh, there was a lot of online campaign activity, uh, maybe not connected with the campaigns themselves officially, which were quite negative. No, <laughs> so uh, and, uh, so I'm I, I'd like to ask you. you know, so. Because uh, if you consider that negative campaigning has always been part of politics uh, in 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 liberal democracies and in, in in most democracies, no, um, the the online you know the dark uh, tactics online uh, for these campaigns enable the candidates candidates themselves to rise above the toxicity and you know kind of project this image of. Um, you know being i'm 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 uh, i'm above all of that i'm i'm uh, i i want to be i want to be vert i want to be more virtuous than <laughs> than what you're seeing online diba but but in in uh, in reality uh, all of these all of these campaigns were employing or, or had supporters who were spreading toxicity online yeah but um um uh you're so right howie um thanks for um yeah putting it in your own words and explaining it so thoughtfully parang may distribution of labor diba na parang yung mga attack dogs mo um sila yung mga online influencers um yeah you can have um you can run a super dirty um campaign online but try to um, present yourself as respectable in mainstream spaces um, um and i think um that is enabled um by the so- by social media architectures um that is enabled by a-, a lot of gray areas that we have around um, political campaigns um yeah i think one of the examples uh, we mentioned um in the report that um for us raises a lot of uh, questions around ethics um yeah and and what precedent it might set as well was the example of um uh, in our infographic, we call her Senator Satirist. And I think kilalan naman natin kung sino ito, um, uh, the, uh, the sister um, of Bongbong Marcos, um, Aimee Marcos, uh, produced a, a series of skits on, on YouTube um, satirizing and poking fun at um, Bongbong Marcos's rival, Lenny Robredo, um, through professionally produced skits. So, umaacting si Madam Senator, meron siyang professional set of actors, parang ang conversation nila parang marites, uh, um, they're trying to catch up on each other uh, and ko ano yung gossip for the day. And usually, every line that they deliver is a coded attack against the Dilawans or the or the Pinks um, or uh, yeah or uh, VP Ro, um, Robredo, de So, anong example ito na uh, siniset? So the fact na hindi ito kayang mafact. Uh, ma fact check unang una satire ito so they can always say that these are just jokes um and that's how she justified it herself in interviews with mainstream media reporters na pina-explain sa kanya sabi naman niya na oy yung mga um, mapikon sila yung matatalo dito parang joke time lang ito ang um, mm. sabi ni um, senator marcos diba but at the same time um 
what does that also mean about social media content policy? So for YouTube, um, how can they penalize a sitting um, incumbent senator, right? Um, I don't think, um, so I think that that affords her a level of protection because it's housed under her official page. Right, so so this isn't like trolling by an anonymous account na kayang ma ma platform ng YouTube. It, official page ito ng incumbent senator. Um, so so to so to us it it's really puzzling, and for us it was a real campaign innovation. We haven't seen you know um parang sanayin naman tayo sa Pilipinas na actors nagigisilang a uh, politician. Pero ito politician siya pero nag na, meron siyang acting skits. Okay, well, it's it's puzzling, and uh, at the same time, it's a campaign innovation. Sabi mga, but uh, ako, I'm wondering why she even did it. Because wasn't there also a risk on her yeah. part? Uh, sabi mga, eh, you know, she is a senator, um, yeah. which which you know, we like yeah. to think there's a certain dignity <laughs> in our senators, uh, uh, and and uh, it made her also a target. Diba? I mean, she could have, um, their campaign could have easily employed professional actresses, you know, to play that part. Um, uh, yeah. After all, uh, she, mm-hmm. I, I don't think she was, uh, she was um, portraying her real self there. And the second question there is, was it effective? I mean, are, are we going to see more of that kind of campaign tactic na, you know, hard to regulate and all of that using the Senate uh, website, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it effective yeah. enough for others to to try that strategy na yeah. the so-called coded attacks? Na parang wala naman masyadong code, eh, di ba? I mean, it was also obvious. It was um, yeah, it, it could have actually backfired. I, I don't know. I don't know the outcome of that yeah. uh, strategy. If anyone's actually done a study on on the effects, the results of that uh, in terms of the campaign. So, so um, the metaphor that we use also in the report, um, yeah, uh, to describe the emergence of itong parallel public spheres, diba? Na parang kung tayo meron tayong GMA, um, ABS-CBN as our source of news. We have also, you know, our celebrities that we look up to, um, who use, you know, their celebrity to um, shed light on activist causes and advocacies. Meron na din yung kabila. And for us, parang kumbaga parang Marvel, Marvel Universe world building. Kailangan may iba-iba kang content, may iba-iba kang genre to appeal to different demographics. So for me, Howie, um, it is effective in the sense na um, they they're populating the Marcos multiverse universe um kumbaga na meron silang comedy meron silang um uh, blockbuster movie meron silang phd na pandit uh, meron silang debates um um uh, kumbaga content diversity and content um uh, diversification uh, mabobore din yung kanilang mga fans kung pare-pareho lang yung um kinds of contents and genre na na ko-consume nila di ba that, that are being pumped um, to them. So for me, um, to for Aimee to be showcasing a different aspect of herself, na aba kaya naman pala niya umacting, um, uh, the fact that her channel is also her flexing, you know, um, her ability to do mga day in, day in the life vlogs, 
tour of Malacanang, tour of uh, Chinatown, kasama niya si Borgi Manotok, diba, who's very attractive. Parang they're allowing multiple points of identification for fans. Na parang, ay, relatable naman pala si Madam. Ay, nakakatawa naman pala siya. Ay, uh, guwapo naman ng, ano, ng, ng pamilya niya. Diba? So parang there's multiple ways in which you can connect with their story. Um, and it's always kind of dropped you know um uh it's very savvy uh, for us um as someone who has watched a lot of these videos for research purposes so i've spent hours how watching um Aimee's youtube channel so um my, in the middle of you know a 20 minute um tour of binondo and like, my food tasting sila parang my reference then to um oh this is where um uh, my father used to eat this way parang may mga ganun ding connection to the past and also subtle digs to their enemies at the present and it's done very subtly um, and to me I think it's very effective actually hmm. okay well speaking of effective uh, propaganda I mean you know that let's call it that no uh, it's effective Mm-mm. propaganda no uh, I just want to give it some historical context. No, nambagin ko si Rizal kanina. He was part of this uh, propaganda movement, so-called propaganda movement, no, na, which is celebrated in history. No, when you when you say propaganda movement, you don't give it the connotation of propaganda today, which is, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you identify it with you know authoritarians, uh, uh, you know, disinformation and all that. But in in panahon ni Rizal and the, the other ilustrados, no. Um, they were they were uh, sir they were using propaganda for a noble cause, no. And um, uh, as as you mentioned, uh, you you explore different uh, genres, and uh, the mm-hmm. genre that Rizal explored was yes. novel novel writing, right? Which his novels were not uh, intended to entertain, not just to entertain, but they were meant to uh, caricature uh, certain kinds of personalities, expose yes. abuse, injustice, and all that in particular, no. Friars, no? Si, si Padre Damaso, of course, is a famous uh, case, no? But, okay, looking at it through your, you know, your c- contemporary academic lens uh, and, you know, saying, um, you know, some kinds of uh, propaganda and uh, te- techniques are mm-hmm. shady, you know, would you consider uh, those novels shady? Would they have crossed the line, uh, you know, caricaturing Damaso? You know, after all, um, mm. you know, the authorities found them very scandalous, libelous, and worthy of the death penalty, no? Um, but, uh, of course, now, now of course, uh, national hero natin yan. We don't want to say yeah. too many bad things about him. But, um, but uh, are, are, have our standards um, shifted in a way Uh so what what's what's so different about what Aimee did from what Rizal did aside from you know magkaiba lang yung genre nila <laughs> Well um I think well um Rizal was offering um anti-colonial critique and so there's a, um so using satire um and parody um I celebrate these as weapons of the weak um and that's a concept by an anthropologist uh, James Scott so um, weapons of the week are, you know, like tools um, um, for like these are subversive tools, um, uh, tools uh, that call into account uh, people in power and excesses of authority. Um, these are abuses of authority and abuses of power. Um, in this case, of course, um, yeah, uh, um, Rizal was offering a critique of our 
um, of colonial um, of colonialism um, here in the Philippines, and so. I think those are two very different things um, when yeah, you contrast that um, specific case with Amy Marcos. Na in, in her case, she is um, speaking from a position of authority, but using satire to dunk on her opponents, right? So, so I'm always thinking about, are you punching up or punching down? So satire and parody are tools that I embrace, I celebrate as forms of activist communication, a subversive communication, if they are being used by people who are indeed colonized or oppressed. Um, in the case, um, in that specific context in which Amrizal um, was writing from. Pero kung ikaw naman yung uh, person in power, pero ikaw nagpe-play as a victim, parang kunwari victim ka, kunwari victim ka ng history or victim ka ng media, um, and then gagamitin mo din ang iyong um, authority to attack other people, that is an abuse of power, right? So, hmm. um, so, um, and yeah, historically, the, the church and the friars felt victimized by Rizal, diba? Yeah. I, I mean, exactly. uh, oh, they were the ones in authority, but uh, they were being attacked by this, you know, this this mm -hmm. uh, Indio upstart. <laughs> How yeah. dare he, diba? Parang ganon, no? So, pinurosahan uh, uh, exactly. siya. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, nice explanation, <laughs> uh, John. No, thank you. Uh, now, yeah, there's there's a large assumption that these influence operations were an overriding factor, no, in the electoral outcomes of the presidential and vice presidential races, no. But considering all the other factors, no, um, how big a factor was it really? Uh, uh, and, and in part of this context, of course, is um, uh, if you contrast uh, a lot of that with um, what the Lenny Robredo campaign was doing, of course, Lenny Robredo, the, the Robredo campaign also had online operations, but they also had a very big uh, ground operation. No, I mean they made uh, a, a, you know face to face, uh, you know house to house uh, campaigning and explicit uh, strategy. No, they uh, they bet big on that. Uh, you know the mobilization of uh, cultural sectors, artists, you know mural painters, poets, uh, etc. And uh, in a way that was translated to you know the biggest rallies in recent history, maybe some of the biggest rallies in Philippine political history. No, uh, I can't. Uh, you know, I've I've covered a lot of campaigns. No, I haven't. I don't recall that. No rallies that large, no. I covered several of those rallies uh, uh, during the campaign. No, so uh, in previous campaigns, uh, in previous uh, campaign seasons, no. If you see rallies that large, na hindi naman hakot, no. Most of those people hindi naman hakot, uh, with all that energy, no. Um, it was a. It seemed to be a fair bet that my momentum, no, yung yung campaign na yon, yung candidate na yon, uh, in fact, enough to to win the election. No? We saw that with Duterte in 2016. You know, he, his uh, campaign rally started picking up only in the lat latter part of the campaign season, uh, bandang, uh, you know, March, April, all the way up to election day. You know? uh, but it didn't happen this time. No? Uh, uh, Lenny Robredo still lost by a wide margin. No? Uh, now I'm just wondering what are the lessons of that? Uh, could it be um, sobrang overwhelming ngayon itong influence, yung, yung impact ng influence operations that they canceled out 
the impact of uh, you know all this effort in the Lenny campaign uh, on the ground uh you know setting up these very elaborate uh stages uh in in all these venues paramihan ng tao sa iba't ibang probinsya i mean it, it was uh, there was that you know several weeks of the campaign couple of months of the camp- of uh, her campaign where the, the rallies just got larger and larger akala mo ang, ang lakas ng momentum no but she still lost by by a wide margin you know? so and about what what role did the influence operations play in the electoral victory yeah um great question yeah um and um yeah and i did have some yeah um thoughtful conversations with yeah uh um madam lenny herself um in the past um weeks um as we prepared to launch um the report um with her um in harvard she's also a fellow here and so I got to hear from her um, directly, and to me, it's so um, enlightening to see how um, Lenny is so talagang halatang halata yung groundedness niya sa community. So she's really, you know, focused uh, social work, sa community work, and that's where um, you know her real interests and energies are. Um, like uh, even in in those casual conversations, like her most memorable um, discussions were about being on the ground and how sometimes she would be surprised what you know the national campaign would be doing. Um, on air um kasi babad siya talaga sa ground and mas gusto niya to be on the ground so i found that really fascinating and i resonate with that um as someone who is also you know a community engaged researcher um and very much immersed in that so you know um there's various ways of interpreting this and we discussed this also in the report parang there's um a version of talking about social media's impact and influence operations impacts as uh quote-unquote brainwashing of voters and ayo namin yon uh, we actually reject that term and and that way of thinking of impacts of a campaign or of social media um because i think it's very disempowering um to think of it in that way na parang people are just you know blank slates in which you know um political um alignments or identities are just being um, projected onto parang people need to resonate with a story they need to resonate with a narrative and I think for me, um, what the Marcoses had was they benefited a lot from the groundwork that Duterte had, um, you know, um, uh, readied for them um, to reemerge. Um, at the same time, itong influence operations nila um, matagal na. Um, in our work, we talk about the longitudinal effects of disinformation na they reap the rewards remember din naman tumakbo nga naman siya in 2016 so for and and we had examples from my previous study na meron siya mga fake trending hashtags from the 2016 election pero hindi yun hindi siya nanalo noon so hindi naman ganun ang 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 impact ng social media na gumawa ka lang ng quote unquote a campaign or fake news mananalo ka na um natalo siya in 2016 in 2022 the context was ready uh, was prepared um and it landed on well prepared ground um and i think there yeah and we discuss some of those narratives that definitely resonated with voters um the fact that mainstream media and the trust in mainstream media was really weak 
weekend um, um, uh, in 2022 um, definitely mattered a lot. Um, and and diba, parang the fact na magno-no-show ang isang presidential candidate mm-hmm. sa, na, sa officially sanctioned debates, parang yeah. for us... Never happened be- before. <laughs> never happened before. So, uh-huh. pero... And yung, um, why was that um, uh, accepted by the by citizens? Then the fact na natarnish na yung reputation ng media na parang, ay, oo nga naman, we don't need to trust, you know, um, a CNN debate or a GMA news debate um, to be the platform in which, um, you know, our leaders should be coming together. Parang we've lost that um, investment in mainstream media. And um, hindi yun ang yari kung um, if we had not gone through six years under Duterte. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, kasi um, nab- nabanggit mo yung longitudinal disinformation. I guess that's a, that's a fancy word Mm-mm. for saying parang may long-term uh, yeah. effort, no? From the, in fact, uh, e- even before the uh, spread of social media, 1990s pa lang, di ba? Nung umuwi sila sa Pilipinas, uh, nag-umpisa mm-hmm. na yung yes. kind of the the image uh, image rehabilitation. No? So despite all of that, the longitudinal disinformation of the Marcos camp that stretched back nga to the 90s, um, Marcus Jr., as you pointed out, lost uh, his bid for the vice presidency in 2016, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as late as 2021, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of mid to late uh, 2021, was not even rating exceedingly well, no, in surveys mm-hmm. uh, until he teamed up with the Duterte machine, no, yes. Sara Duterte. No, aside from the advantages of being an incumbent. Uh, you know, of course, she's the do- she's not an incumbent, but she's the daughter of the incumbent. Um, uh, she represents. Uh, she comes from Mindanao, where the you know the Duterte name uh, is you know, still resonates very strongly, uh, and also the Bisaya. So, uh, my so-called solid North si, si Marcos, my Southern uh, uh, consolidation man uh, with the Duterte's. It because um, one analysis nga, uh highlighted kind of the the odds of beating that no um so um that could have even that factor could have even dwarfed the the influence operations that were you know well funded and extensive etc so i I guess i'm i'm point kolang dito john Mm -hmm. no despite all of these new things no uh that you're pointing out uh the the tipping points in our politics, or I guess the the major uh, factors behind uh, electoral outcomes, are still fairly traditional. No, mm-hmm. I mean you you you're a northern, you team up with a popular southerner. Uh, I mean even in the U.S., ginagawa yan, di ba? I mean you, parang binabalansi mo yung ticket. Um, so uh, that's why I ask, yes. kung ka lacking factor ba yung influence operations, yeah. or is it still? Because uh, Lenny also employed tra- a traditional strategy of of mobilizing large numbers of warm bodies, but uh, and of course she 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 moved up in the ratings eventually, and yeah. she did much better than uh, how she was rating in in the late. Uh, in late 2021, but still not enough to overtake itong tandem ng North plus South, Mark, the Marcos name, the Duterte name, um, which is still kind of a very traditional 
yeah. way of looking at our yeah. politics. Of course, um, yeah, um, yeah, I agree that yeah, um, um, traditional on-ground campaigning is so crucial here. The idea that social media are the you know like um, um, you know, para my my magic bullet effects sha sa 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 boto. I reject that. At the same time, social media do matter, um, in the sense that social media um shape conversations. They 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 direct our attention as to where what publics should be um, learning about should be talking about ano ba yung mga talk points of the day ano ba yung mga um, issues na kailangang pag-usapan and ito um, dito uh, uh, this is where influence operations um, do come in because um, there's a tendency for um, and we've had um, examples of um, of this um, in the report but also in our previous in our previous uh, studies um, yung pag-set ng, uh, yung pag-frame ng news, kung yung pag-frame ng isang skandalo or ng isang crisis, um, dito nangyayari. Um, yung pag-justify ng, um, ng specific policy position, whether, you know, we should pivot to China or the US, should we trust, you know, um, uh, um, the US as our ally, what should we think about? Um, the effects of you know Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its impact in 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 the Philippine political system. Ginagamit ito as talk points no mga no mga online influencers um, to promote a certain candidate or to attack another candidate. So that's where social media are important. The fact na in a way, nagweekend ang hold ng journalists to set the frame of what's on the agenda social media becomes the battleground in terms of where yeah how our stories gonna get framed what will be the questions that we should be asking our politicians um yeah um, when we interview them in our in our programs etc so in other words you know this despite all of the toxicity social media is still essential no um uh, kasi nga uh, sabi mo nga we, we we need to do something no um and then you you had uh, a kind of an action plan no um uh and uh one one, one obvious uh solution uh in in other countries and in fact it was raised at the at the Harvard uh conference no was legislation no uh but uh, uh, but people are uh, you know people here in the Philippines at least are wary of that no <laughs> of uh especially so. yeah uh, you know um uh, laws made by by people who actually benefited from uh, uh, influence operations, no. So, if these trends, if the negative trends that you've pointed out uh, uh, do not change, no, where are we headed? And then, uh, I guess uh, the the corollary question there is: so, how do we prevent that <laughs> that apocalypse, no? Yeah. Uh, kung hindi nga magbago. Para climate change ito, no. Kailan baguhin yung trajectory ng climate change? Otherwise, human race will will be extinct, no. Uh, I guess. So you can say the same thing about uh, liberal democracy and freedom and all of that. No, if we don't change, so where yeah. are we headed, Jonathan? Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Howie. So, um, 
parang the idea of how how can we live in parallel public spheres parang that's not a tenable um you know um experience diba na parang kung the idea na we're unfriending each other or that we're unfollowing each other na may kanya-kanya na lang tayong bubbles ganun ba yon um how can we um you know um do collective problem solving how can we discuss um uh, issues um we need to find ways to um at least find a middle and rebuild those centers um kasi masyado na tayong magkahiwalay um i think that to me is important parang um uh at least to create like more spaces in the middle for us to meet and converge and and discuss um and um obviously as an educator parang um uh i should begin with with education too right and 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 ways in which we can empower citizens um to be much more discerning um to learn about these issues how they can protect um themselves more pero hindi lang ito um how can you detect fake news parang feeling ko we've moved on there parang most of my educational advocacies have been how can we prevent college students from being recruited to become influence operators themselves parang that's the advocacy of catch me if you can na parang oy if we retell the stories of how these influence operators are being recruited sana matauhan yung mga nakikinig um, para hindi din sila ma-recruit in that same way because there are elements of deception in people being recruited to these um uh yeah uh quote unquote troll farms diba um and that's uh, what we discussed there so um for us uh yeah for me as an academic i i'm i'm doing and much more i'm much more mindful about trying to uh, make academic research much more accessible um to different audiences to meet them where they are um and kung ano ba talaga yung mga kailangan nila so Um, I'm keen to partner with journalists, with content creators, with influencers. Um, myself and my research team are trying to um, build um, a website that will do an open access educational course um, that is all about having a critical approach um, to disinformation. And may mga practical tools then dito. Hindi lang siya lectures and videos, di ba? Pero mga practical tools of, you know, how to talk to Um, a relative, like how to talk to a tita who is a Marcos supporter. Um, ano yung kailangang um, ways in which um, should you have an intermediary um, to help you um, open that discussion? So, so I want like more of the of those practical toolkits that people can actually use, and I'm hoping to um, um, uh, develop some of these education uh, educational materials. Um, together with other experts. So parang I also admit na as a communication researcher, my experience um, and my expertise um, is also limited. And I'm really keen to know um, and learn from other people who are very good at, you know, at being TikTok influencers. Hindi ako marunong mag-TikTok, Howie. Ikaw ba nandun ka? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for all that you're doing, uh, John. No, As as you previously mentioned, you, you re- we really need a whole-of-society approach here, no? And... Um, Uh, I'm I'm with uh, the so-called legacy media. No, uh, we 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 
are always striving to to be relevant, no. But as you said, I mean, there's been a tremendous loss of trust uh, in in legacy media. A lot of us call ourselves mainstream media, and I don't know what that means anymore. Uh, so are, are are we still relevant? Itong so itong the legacy media, the ones um you know uh the ones who work for large uh, media entities that have been around for a long time. Uh, in part of this context, of course, is yung nabanggit mo nga, no? uh, hindi nagpakita si, uh, si now President Marcos uh, Jr. at the debates. He didn't show up for the Jessica Soho interview. Nagkaroon ng, uh, and he was widely criticized for that, nagkaroon ng hashtag na Marcos Duwag no? that went viral. no. But uh, it still didn't affect the surveys. no. So um, do we still matter? Do we still matter? Um, you definitely um, do matter and that's why they're trying to build an alternative to you. Um, and it is also um, a broadcast institution, di ba? Um, yeah, I won't name them. The, alam ko, there's, you know, um, high-profile um, lawsuits and libel cases against other colleagues. Um, uh, yeah, and so I think that's... Um, I think broadcast media still matter. Journalists um, and storytellers do matter. Um, I think, yeah, um, liberal institutions like mainstream media, um, we share the same um, experiences of being delegitimized and attacked as the academe also. Diba parang academics are also criticized as, um, you know, um, in various in various ways, parang may mga conspiracies na din, na parang we are accepting, you know, a money from the the U.S. or kung ano funder, and therefore that supposedly um, biases us a certain way, um, or even undermining national interests. All these conspiracies, and that's also not unique to the Philippines. Parang ganun din yung mga na experience ng colleagues ko who are from India. Um, including um, scholars um, uh, who are Indian academics, but based in the U.S., but um, but obviously criticize um, their own illiberal government um, um, back home. Um, ganun din yung na experience nila. So I think um, what we need, what I've learned though, is I think it's important for us to try to meet our audiences where they are and try to be much more flexible with the ways uh, we do things. And I think I'm in my um at the stage of my career too um in terms of like experimenting different ways of popularizing my research i'm trying to make it more accessible so yeah very practically speaking Howie, na parang um obviously as, an, as a teacher and as an academic parang we are incentivized to publish papers Diba para mga publish papers with citations, we um uh, papers addressing our fellow academics too. Yun yung incentive namin. Pero um kulang din kami sa outreach. Um aaminin ko na sa pagpopularize nito mga research um to reach um ordinary people um who also need this research um maybe even so much more urgently than our fellow academics talking to our own bubbles, diba? Um, pero kailangan namin ng tulong from journalists, kailangan namin ng tulong from, you know, from influencers and tiktokers na yun talaga yung talent nila, how to make, you know, um, complicated concepts, um, uh, how to deliver them in punchier and, um, and also re- more relevant language. Well, okay. Uh, 
So you know you've talked about academe we we've uh, you've we've talked about media but uh, you know of course the elephant in the room is the platforms themselves no mm-hmm. what yeah. what's what's the re- what's the responsibility i mean you you've talked to a lot of people you attend a lot more conferences than you know, most of the people in this world no what's mm-hmm. the best solution you've heard no i mean this is talk about you know, a conundrum no what how, how do you what, what should they do what should mm-hmm. we do what should governments do uh about Uh, the platforms great question so um there's no consensus um including yeah uh, um the smartest people i know and work with um in harvard will have a different answer from the smart people of columbia or stanford um for some um so yeah and i'll just give you like some snippets um and a, an overview and then yeah bahala na also our 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 listeners to to figure out so parang a platform accountability and responsibility is important parang Um, we all acknowledge that platforms should be doing more um, in terms of um, uh, monitoring, in terms of being more proactive and, and transparent in their content policy, and also how they support, you know, journalists and academics. Um, so the the question of paano ba sila mag, uh, how are they supposed to act better um that is where the challenges um and and the debates are na parang um for some people um in yeah including my colleague John Donovan um the idea that platforms are monopolies um is a big problem for her so platforms have become too big they should be broken up um right and so that's one um, perspective uh, the question of who is supposed to break them up like um who should be regulating them should government be the regulator it's easy for you know americans and europeans to be saying these things because their regulators are actually quite responsible but i i would not trust our filipino legislators to be regulating and you know touching any social media data i would be most skeptical if they try to you know Um, do any overreach and try to control platforms. Ano yung examples natin dito? India, um, Singapore, um, in terms of other countries who are trying to um, control social media within their countries and have them report to themselves. And it only benefits the incumbent. So I don't trust any of our le- legislators with that kind of approach. Again, um, I think there's a difference here between U.S. and European models of regulation and, you know, what we can actually achieve in in the Philippines and the global, what we call the global South. I, I don't want to take, uh, you know, keep you too long, John. No? I mean, so much uh, I can ask you. But one final ano, uh, point lang. Uh, kasi sabi mo nga doon sa report mo, itong uh, this newest report, no, in parallel uh, public spheres, um, the 2022 election ended uh, legacy media's uh, gatekeeper role, no. So my conceit, kasi kami, no, kami nasa uh, legacy or mainstream media that we, you know, we're the gatekeeper for public information. I think that's that's long been uh, outdated. But sabi mo nga, parang ito na natuldukan na talaga nung 2022, no? So oh, so what's our role now, no? Kasi sabi yung nga sabi ni Lenny doon sa Lenny Robredo doon sa conference sa Harvard, parang uh, fact checking is not enough, no? Uh, previously, you know, that was a We regarded verification as our, you know, as our one essential discipline, no. Uh, but now, parang 
uh, it's still not enough. In fact, some people are saying, you know, that's kind of uh, that's the you know that's driven mostly by funders, and it's not as. Uh, I'm still a I'm still a big believer in fact checking, no, because pe- many years from now people are still going to look up what we how we covered certain events and and that would still be part of the record, no. Uh, but nevertheless, I, anong anong ano mo anong take mo jan? So uh, hindi na kami gatekeeper. What are we now? Yeah. Um, wow. What a great um question. Um, what I hope um from a uh, mainstream media um parang to enable solicit and amplify newer voices um, to be open to experimentation, to creative um, um, storytellers, um, to, you know, find new ways of storytelling and connecting with audiences. I um, And I think, parang, again, I also, yeah, I'm an academic. I, um, I also acknowledge that you know you are the experts um, of your field and you have a um, you know a very natural way of connecting uh, with your own listeners and and viewers howie and i admire that about um you and your work you um you know i witness i've looked up to it um as a college student it's still ongoing for how many years now 23 years now <laughs> that's amazing yeah, yeah. Um, I was part of yeah. Um, I remember a rebrand of Eyewitness um, from back in the day. Um, yeah, and and so um, how to remain relevant um, for all of those years? I don't think I need to tell you um, how exactly um, you should uh, be doing it. But parang a way. Um, uh, sometimes though, parang I feel like with journalists um, and also for us as academics, we are still so caught up in our own routines and ways of doing things so yeah like just very practically and and i'll maybe i'll end with this kind of anecdote that i hope um uh and i um offer this critique as a way of inviting collaboration and a new connection but not to um but not like um only as a critique for example the idea na you know um when i connect with journalists who were confused what to do after the may 2022 elections they were looking for new ways of connecting with audiences and then ang sabi ko sa, sa kanila why don't you you know try to connect with also more academics to help you know bring in like very um, important research, uh, very important new findings and discoveries, uh, but po- but help popularize them too. And parang may ganung, uh, for some journalists, my mindset sila, ay, hindi yan papatok sa masa. And, and to me, I always try to push back against that, na parang um, may way uh, for us, um, you know, um, um, for us also academics, parent to always kind of uh, think of um, our readers, our viewers, but not trust them enough as discerning, not trust them enough as, you know, um, agentic and, you know, having the ability to also, you know, make um, good decisions for themselves. And I think we need to be trusting in our audiences more. And I think that, um, uh, means more risk taking rather than doing business as usual, mm-hmm. and that applies to all of us. Okay, thank you. That's that's wise advice, a uh, wise perspective, uh, John. No, just just a final sharing, lang uh, on my part, since um, you know uh, people in 
uh, so-called uh, mainstream media, people who have been around for a while, have been doing some soul searching then, you know, uh, you know, processing what you've been doing and our own observations. And tama uh, ka, no? We can't. We we you know this whole uh, concept of being a gatekeeper, you know, outdated na yan, No, we can't. Uh, na pwede yan, no? So what's our role today? Uh, well, one concept is you know being more like a shepherd, <laughs> um, not not that people are sheep, no, but uh, or maybe uh, guides. Uh, we cannot control uh, what goes out into the public sphere anymore, no, but uh, we can help people distinguish between, um, you know, what's significant, what's insignificant, what's true, what's false. Um, you know, we have the training for it, we have the discipline for it, we have the accountability for it. We don't hide uh, behind aliases. So that's one that's one um outcome of this you know soul searching by a, a lot of colleagues no uh, nothing as formal as what you're doing but uh, you know we have to we have to do a lot of our own self reflection because I've been there's been a loss of trust uh, loss of relevance maybe so you know we 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 uh, you know we have a proud uh, profession and tradition no so we we need to make sure it still serves society somehow no so so yun ang isang concept namin no na we need to be kind of um shepherds. guides mm-hmm. gu- yeah shepherds yeah. or guides uh towards uh you know a better future a better like teachers like people like yeah. yourselves no yeah. yeah so we're 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 yeah. in the same boat in a way yeah i i get you um um if i may also share something else i'm also um and and also i, I guess um yeah my own enthusiasm for the podcast format where we can talk um a, a greater length um compared to the news which needs to be like super punchy and always to the point i think you know um talking to students and like younger people parang they are also interested in process they're also interested in why why did you decide to do it this way rather than that way um parang to kind of like show them how the sausage gets made kumbaga parang um that applies to us as researchers to being more transparent with our values na parang oh kaila um that's why in this report we anonymize them because ganito yung dilemma namin and kaya ganito din yung um um that's how why it looks a certain way and i think parang sometimes when us academics um get also sometimes too defensive we all we all sometimes fall back um, on the argument from authority, just trust us, you know, I've done this for years, but I don't think that's enough. But we need to be telling our students, our listeners, um, you know, our own process and our own values for them to also judge us by. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to trust us and say, na, ah, okay, um, I, I resonate with that approach. For those who don't want um, that approach, then they choose somebody else. And that's okay too. All right, that's a nice note to end on. Uh, very wise. Thank you, John, uh, for uh, being our information shepherd, <laughs> giving us Thank feedback you. and providing uh, guides for understanding what we're all living through and what we need to survive. No, uh, Dr. Jonathan Ong, communications professor and co-author of Parallel Public Spheres, Influence Operations in the 2022 Philippine Elections. Mabuhay ka. Thank you so much, Howie. Thank you for having yeah. me. Thank Mabuhay. you. Hi, I'm Howie Severino. Check out the Howie Severino Podcast, an original for GMA News and Public Affairs. New episodes will stream every Thursday. Listen for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms.